welcome back to Show Talk Podcast, place where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. We are back with another episode of Motherland Fort Salem, season two, episode two. And what an episode it was. And I'm actually so excited to talk about this episode because I feel like it really sets up what season two is going to put in front of us and what we should be prepared for. Because I feel like this episode, we really got to see what War College is going to be training us for, how we're going to be trained. We really got to see relationships that are going to come into this season, whether it be Tally and Penelope, M and Gregorio. We get to see new teachers and what we're going to learn and the history of possibly the spree and Alder and what that means and how we're going to test the boundaries when it comes to Anacostia and Scylla and what it means to play both fields. I don't know. I feel like this season is going to be intense and I think it's going to wake us up to what we're really facing and how last season was kind of just the the kiddie pool and right now we're going full dive into what it means to really be a part of this army what you're willing to sacrifice for this army and if you really have the guts for it at the end of the day and are you willing to turn your back on your friends and your family to fully serve your country and what that means i don't know i'm excited like I always am, to go over this episode with you. Some things I really want to discuss this episode is Tally's dreams. And who's that mystery woman that we saw in the frame of the last scene from this episode? I really want to go into Rael's mom and that BS excuse she had for leaving Rael and her whole family. I mean, my blood is getting boiled just thinking about it. But I'll hold off. I'll hold off until we get into it in the episode. I'll hold strong. Also, really want to get into war college, what that means, the fact that we have male witches, Halida and Adil, and Kalida's response to Alder wanting her to stay. And honestly, I could go on a rant forever because although I love Kalida, I don't think that the choices that she's making right now is smart, especially with the enemy that we have on the loose. I really want to get into the mushrooms and what that means with the connection to Rael, how that's going to change our unit, what that means for Abigail. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing that I want to get into with you like we always do. So here we are at Muslin Fort Salem season two, episode two. Let's start this episode off with what everyone wants to talk about. The mushrooms. The mushrooms, the wall, Rael, Abigail. Are the mushrooms alive? If the mushrooms are alive, why are they connected to the Rael? If they're connected to Rael, can they also be connected to Abigail? If they're not connected to Rael and Abigail and only connected to Rael, how? And if it's because Rael touched the wall, can other people touch the wall? Will the shrooms accept other people? Can the shrooms be used as a power source? Can the shrooms be used to fight the enemies like the Spree and the Camarilla? Can the shrooms be their own being and own sentient figure and power that can be utilized. So many questions this episode and it didn't even come from me this time. I mean sure I was thinking it but it was mostly coming from Isadora and Alder and I understand why Alder is doing it. Do I agree with her methods of testing? No but I understand why she's doing it because we talked about it in After the Storm that Alder really wants to create a new 
power or have a new defense against these enemies that are now coming up out of the woodworks. And she feels that if Rael is really connected to the wall and is a new source of power that she has, this is something that she can utilize against these enemies. And I feel like it's more of a comfort than it is a battle strategy when it comes to Elder because think of the trauma that she is facing. She is facing one of her oldest enemies, someone that's killed her family and loved ones and this is one of the main sources of power that she knows can possibly defeat them. Something that's stronger than what she already has and has put up against them in the past. I mean we saw that battle at the end of season one. It was rough. And Alder almost died, even with her biddies. So if she has Rael and this power of the mushrooms, if she can utilize it against the Camarilla, against the Spree, it's a comfort to her because she has that defense. And while I'm happy that Alder has that and it's something that Rael is going to be able to evolve with and her powers and seed and work and all that is going to be able to grow with, I'm upset at the same time. I'm upset at the same time because this has just ruined our unit's dynamic and I feel like now that Abigail is on the outs, it's going to change the growth that we've had in the last three episodes so far. Because Abigail, like we've mentioned before in the past, this army, this family, is all that she's grown up with and all that she understands. So the idea is to serve in this way, to have this kind of power that she can give over so that she can get her revenge for Charvelle, so that she can prove herself and be different and valued and seen as important. It's kind of gone now and she has to look at both Tally grow in power that we've seen this episode, as well as Rael grow in power, especially now that Rael is going to have the focus of Alder and Isadora. And so there might be jealousy that comes into play that might bring tension to the three of them, and we're going to see that all play out in the rest of the season. I feel it already. And it's very interesting to see this new change in how now Abigail is on the outside of things when Rael was on the upside of things in season one because she didn't believe in Fort Salem and the army and what it stood for and her mistrust against Alder and the rest of them for taking away her mother. But now she has that power that she can give over to the army and give over to Alder, which it seems like she's going to because she wants to stick with her unit and her girls, the only ones that she trusts. And she probably also wants to understand what this power really is. Now here Abigail is wishing to be able to have that kind of power to give over to the army because she's grown up in that military background and is loyal to Fort Salem and what they stand for unable to do so. And honestly, I can already see how the scenes are going to play out now because I know that they're going to because of the way that Abigail looked when she realized that that power wasn't within her and she wasn't as special as she thought she was. Something's gonna happen. Rael's gonna come be complaining about the test that's going to be done against her and she's gonna be complaining about how she doesn't want this power maybe even though she's expressed how unique and mysterious it is to her and how she feels like she can't do it justice. She'll say one slip up about what's happening to her in the test now she doesn't trust Alder and everything and Abigail's gonna lose 
her mind. She's going to say things like, wow, you're being ungrateful because you have this power that you can do so much for and I wish I could have it, but I don't. I can play it out in my mind now and I really hope that we get that kind of scene because one, we hold in too much. Our girls hold in way too much about what they're going through. Tally with Alder, Rael with her mom, and Abigail with the pressure she has. And I feel like the only way that they're going to be a true unit is if they fully express that, like they did in the beginnings of season one, as they learn to be a unit and trust each other. And I feel like this will be another chance for them to do that again and I'm not gonna lie although this will be a great moment for growth for all three of them I'm kind of upset that Abigail isn't I don't want to say she's not special or she's not unique but that she's facing that difference between the other two girls because Rael has the mushroom power Tally has her vision of sight right now that keeps her unique and different from the rest what does Abigail have? I know we expressed in After the Storm, Elliot, to talk about how Abigail comes from a strong line of weather witches, and we've seen glimpses in the trailers and the previews of Abigail using her work to create tornadoes and what that means. But does her lineage push her to be more and greater than the rest of the witches in War College? I don't know. I just want Abigail to have something that's also unique and also hers so that both Rael, Tally, and Abigail can be the unit that people are envious of or that people look to in awe because I feel like all three of them deserve it and Abigail always has to go through so much with so much pressure and as a bellwether that's supposed to be leading her unit I can't imagine what she must be feeling seeing the rest of her unit grow and her not as much. I'm still holding on to the fact or the possibility of Adil giving her the seed and his work and his songs for her to use in the future, especially now that he's seeing what they're going to be up against with the spree and with the Camarilla. But until then, I really want Abigail to grow on her own so that she can blend in with the rest of them nicely. I don't know if I really like the power difference that all three of them have, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm hoping that this is something that gets resolved pretty quickly, though, because of the way War College was set up and the intensity they hit you with right off the bat. I mean, is War College not built on trauma centered around an institution setting? Because what kind of lesson plan is throwing your new students into a dollhouse stimulation and have them fight for their lives? No introduction, no icebreakers, no reading of the syllabus. It was like, we are at war, get it together. Y'all thought basic was hard? War College is a whole new ball game. And I'm excited to see it because I feel like basic was child's play. Basic was child's play. And we learned this firsthand at Dark Arts 101 because teacher major did not come to play. She let us know that there are sounds everywhere and they could be used against you at a drop of a hat and you have to be prepared for them and you have to be able to recognize them and utilize your own skills and your own work in order to protect yourself. When I tell you I was in awe of those scenes, I was in awe of the scenes from the radiator and having them believe that they were hot and uncomfortable from the moment they sat down to using of the bell and having them physically be controlled, unable to breathe. 
out of mind, out of body experience, because that is what this new work is about. It's using sound that's around you to control the mind of others and allowing them to do what you want them to do. Beautiful, beautiful, because we're actually starting to learn what the spree learn and how that's different from what the army teaches you. And I get it. I get it. We don't want to use dark arts against our enemies because that's like being our enemies, right? But remember Harry Potter? Remember when they were like, you can't use dark arts. Dark arts are bad. We don't want to be considered the same as those who work with Voldemort and other Death Eaters. And what did we do by the end of book seven? We were throwing around Avada Kedavra's like it was somebody's business, okay? And look at us now, learning a dark art power being told not to use it. Stupidity. And I'm telling you, I would be not surprised if Tally, Rael, and Abigail are the first three who use dark arts in the field. Because it's right there. It's right in front of their face. There's no way they're not going to try to harness that power to become powerful against the Spree, against the Camarilla. I can see it and I cannot wait for it. Was I surprised that Tally was the only one to see the dark sounds though? No, because what have we been hoping since the beginning of season one and season two? That Tally's powers would increase and now that her connection with Alder is over, her powers would increase even more because of this. We saw a glimpse of it in season one. She was the only one that could use her scry to the best of her abilities. Yes, we chalked that up to sexual frustration in the beginning, but then at the end of season one, she was also the only one that could see the civilians in the truck and no one really else could unless they focused. So what did that mean? It mean that her powers were evolving. And now after her connection with Alder, we're both seeing her have visions, both of Alder's past, which could be due to their connection, but now she's able to see a physical representation of sound, specifically dark arts sound. Now we don't know if she can see other forms of sound through work, but so far it's only through dark arts that we know of. So we don't know specifically if this is just her powers evolving, if this is her powers evolving because of her connection to Alder or what. And it's it's pretty interesting that Tally hasn't actually told Alder about this to begin with because now that we're seeing these memories and we're seeing a physical increase of her power, you would think that that's something she would be concerned about or at least curious about, especially since they're only rising since the removal of Tally and Alder's biddiness. So now it's like she doesn't want to say anything and maybe it's because she doesn't want Alder to remove that last connection she has to her. Maybe she likes that power increase or maybe she just doesn't really understand what's happening to her and doesn't connect those dots to Alder and her powers. But now that she's physically seeing, as we saw at the end of episode two, that her dreams are memories and that it's still a strong connection, maybe she'll talk to Alder about her powers as well because she's had multiple opportunities to actually confront Alder about everything that's happening to her. And so I'm a little bit confused but I feel like either she doesn't want Alder to know because she doesn't want Alder to remove the last connection she has to Alder and and what it means to be a biddy because like we said in episode one, she still misses her and she still misses that feeling. Or maybe she just hasn't made that connection yet. 
And maybe once she does say something, there's also that chance that Alder might experiment on her more, see what she can do, what that means that she can see the sound. Can she see other sounds? Is it just dark arts that she can see? Can she see the spree? Can she see the spree while they're in their concealment and in their disguise? And if we expand on that more and experiment on that more, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, we might be able to utilize that power. We might be able to have it grow more than it already is. Or maybe War College will be enough for it. I don't know. But I think it will be something we should look out for going forward because if her power is increasing and it's something that no one has seen before, what else can she do? What else can she see? I also wonder how that's going to play out now that Tally has taken the president's daughter under her wing. Because the president's daughter is a unique girl as well especially because her vocal powers have come in pretty late and because they're a lot stronger than we've seen and so now that Tally has this gift to see and she has some connection or feels some connection towards the president's daughter enough for her to want to take care of her and want to show her the ropes and make her feel welcomed is that because she sees herself in the president's daughter or is that because she sees something different in the president's daughter that is unique to her and that she's drawn to in some way i also thought in a weird sense that tally wanted to take on the president's daughter because she wanted to make her own bitty unit is that not wrong i feel like tally has yet to let go and in her actions and motivations for things i kind of connected to her still holding on and trying to make that void in her heart be full either by taking someone on like a biddy or holding on to alder's visions like she still has that connection and I, th I think it's interesting to digest maybe i'm just going too deep into everything and seeing too much than what's actually there but are you guys seeing the same things or is it just me Speaking of Alder, I fully believe that these memories that Tally are having of Alder and the biddies with this mysterious woman is Alder working with the Spree before they were considered the Spree. And here's why. Here's why. We know that the Spree and Fort Salem fear the Camarilla as a whole because they are the one force that can beat both of them, even when they're on opposite sides. This is the time when we start thinking of them joining together to fight a common enemy. And when we see this mysterious woman use her work and her, her powers, they're completely different than what we see Alder and the Biddies do, something that we teach in Fort Salem. So if we have this outside force that can use magic or use their work in a way that is unique to Alder, and we see now them learning in War College Dark Arts, which is unique to their own teachings, could we reason that this was the beginning of the spree, where that separation lies, and how something must have happened between Alder and this woman for her to just wipe her from history? Could it be that this woman is the foundation to that spree, of the growing of the spree, of the separation from Alder and her teachings, and creating her own from this new work and new seed that she uses for herself? Is there a possibility? Maybe it's not possible because of how long it is and how old Alder is and we don't know how long these memories are from, but could it be possible that this woman 
if she is free and if my theory is correct, could it be possible that this woman is the founder of the spree? And if she is the founder of the spree, is she still alive? And if she's still pulling the strings behind everything? Because so far we've been thinking that maybe it's Rael's mom that's the leader of the spree and she's created the spree and that it's something that's a personal vendetta against Alder for what was done to her. But what if it goes deeper than that? What if it's older than that? And what if Rael's mom only leads one fraction of the spree, but this mysterious woman leads everything? What if she's the one that's been pulling the strings all along? Because even in this episode, or last episode, when Rael's mom was talking, she mentioned that she went against orders, that she changed up the game in order to spread the message to all witches that the Camarilla were alive. So what if this entire plan that the Spree has had has all been led against this one woman because of her dislike or whatever history that she has with Alder that we're going to learn about through Tally. That's going to be interesting because then it shows that Scylla doesn't really know who she's following and she's never been down for that, especially with everything that she's going through mentally and physically in her decision to follow the spree. And that'll also mean that Anacostia is going to have to dig in deeper with the spree in order to maybe get on their good side and get them to trust her so that she can really get down to who the spree is, who leads the spree, and what that means for her and Alder and Fort Salem as a whole. I don't know maybe I'm reaching maybe I'm just trying to fast forward and jump ahead in front of this show and this season before it even happens because it has my brain worrying and I'm trying to figure it all out and maybe this is just another person who is part of another faction of witches that we just haven't seen before yet and will get to see later on in the season and I should just wait and hold off but these are my theories these are my theories these are my questions that I want to give all to you and for you guys to process and think about and see if we can figure out this season before it ends and what that will mean for future seasons going through because I see that hashtag motherland season three and I want us to get us to season three and if that means we're going to be meeting different witches or if we're going to be meeting the head of the spree it could change the game for all of us and how this story goes out. So I just want to get it out. I want to get it out and I want to give it to you and I want you guys to process it and give it out to others and we could all figure this out together. While we're on the subject of Anacostia and Scylla, who saw that coming? Who fully expected to be invested in this relationship that the two of them are going to have? Because it's so real and so raw because they both have similar pasts and similar histories and they've just chosen different sides and now Anacostia is questioning things and now Scylla is questioning things and yet they're still on opposite sides trying to really meet in the middle and they might be the two that create a new age for the witches both in Fort Salem and both with the Spree. It's so pure and it's so raw and it's so good that I can't wait to see more of it. I'm not gonna lie though. I do hope that their storyline in this show or in this season specifically picks up a little bit more because it felt a little bit slow on some parts but we're just really getting into them. We're really getting into their story, what it means for them to be choosing different sides, what it means for them to be working together and so I feel like we're really just diving into what that means and so the pace is slow at this moment or at least it feels slow a little bit to me. But I'm willing to stick it out and see if they're able to figure out that these humans or purists are working with the Camarilla because we've seen that they 
they don't have the power. They physically don't have powers to go against the witches. They're using witches' vocal cords, creating this device in order to fight the spree and be able to fight the witches. And so it is possible that they can be humans. And if they are the humans turned purists, turned Camarilla, led by a certain group or a historical figure or whatever, it shows that they have the potential to be powerful and something that Anacostia and Scylla should keep an eye out, especially since the spree right now want to focus specifically on the Camarilla. Think about it. If it is the humans that are turning into the Camarilla and are causing all this death and destruction for witches all around, have the spree been in the right the entire time? Were they the ones fighting the true enemies, the humans, the ones that we've been protecting the entire time, the one that we've signed the accords for, the ones that we've basically been under their thumb the entire time in order to live our life as freely as we have? Is it wrong that we're protecting them? Is it wrong that Scylla has guilt over killing so many of them and the destruction that the spree and her have created over the years? Or were they in the right because of everything that's going on and the fact that the humans could possibly be the reasons for the witch's extinction at this point, have been the ones who've been ripping out vocal cords of the witches and using it against them? Can we feel guilty about it at that point? Because we can't lie and say that Scylla hasn't been showing signs of remorse and guilt this entire episode. And Anacostia has clocked her on it multiple times. And we see it as she's walking through this memorial and seeing what her destruction has really caused to people she doesn't even know. And the only reason she's feeling like this and showing these types of emotions is because of that time she spent with Rael. And learning to put her guards down and learning to feel things more than what the spree have taught her. And so now, if we learn that it has been the humans the entire time and that the spree have been right the entire time, does that change things? Does that change things for Scylla? Does that change things for Anacostia? Does that change things for the military as a whole? I mean, we're not going to know for sure until Anacostia and Scylla really get to the bottom of this and find some concrete evidence that we can rely on. So far, all we have is two human men who are exchanging large sums of money. That doesn't mean much. We know that they're part of a boys group that is largely men, and we know that the Camarilla, it looks like their organization is largely men as well still doesn't prove a lot. So we're going to have to dive deep and really infiltrate what this organization, the purists, are creating in order to see if there is a connection between them and the Camarilla. For all we know, it's just a recruitment stage for the Camarilla to tap their fingers into and be able to get more people for their own cause. But until then, we won't know for sure. That's all I really have for this episode of Mudland Fort Salem, but of course we have honorable mentions where I go over scenes, characters, and moments that we saw in the show that don't necessarily fit with the overall message and ideas of this podcast episode. So with all of that being said, let's get into Mudland Fort Salem, season two, episode two, honorable mentions. You guys don't understand how long I've been wanting to talk about this moment that happened in this episode and I really wanted to talk about it a lot earlier but I couldn't find a way to integrate it with everything that's been said so far. But I really want to go into Willa Collar and her dumb excuse for abandoning her daughter and the rest of her family. 
You are telling me that Willa decided to unalive herself because she couldn't bear the fact that every time she went home, her family was moving on and growing without her. So she decided to do all this for her family to continue to move on and grow without her. But instead, now she's part of a deadly organization that her daughter now is growing to fight against? risking her life against and she had the audacity the audacity to say that the only reason she wanted Rael to join the army was so that this was the safest option for her. if you don't if she doesn't get out of here i was literally rooting for willa i was rooting for willa i was a full tyra banks for willa the entire time because i thought you know what even though willa's part of the spree you know she had a good reasoning so it's Rael. it's her family Look at that husband that she had. Look at the child that she had. There's no way she would have left them without honorable reasons. I was fully believing that the Bellwethers were against this. I fully believed that maybe she found out something about Alder and pulled it in Acostia and didn't want to trust the system anymore. I fully believed that she got hurt. I fully believed that she wanted to protect Rael and have Rael grow into her powers so that she could use that later. No, none of that wishful thinking. I was going too far. I was reaching for excuses for a woman who had the lamest excuse. I don't know what I'm more disappointed on. The reason for why Willa left or what that's going to do to Rael when she finds out why her mother left. Like I, on all mommy issues alone, I hope Rael gets a good slap, a good vent, because Willa better have a better excuse than this when they finally meet up. And I know that they're going to meet up and it's going to be an experience, but I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need someone to come for Willa just so she understands the severity of what she's done. What she did was probably the most selfish thing I could think of for a parent to do. And now everything that she's put her daughter through and what's going to continue to, and now she's going to find out that Scylla's working with her mom. The, the blows, the blows to Rael coming forward. It's going to be, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. And I blame her mother. Hot mess. Ooh, speaking of hot, M. She's my favorite character. Gorgeous. Love this person. Has such great energy and presence and shows such strength. I'm so happy to find out that she's leading our company, which means we're going to see more of them and it's going to be great. And I'm excited because did you see that smirk? It was gorgeous. Another new character we saw, Gregorio, or if you watch Nancy Drew, Gil from Nancy Drew. It's just so funny to me that I literally said, Gregorio, don't get in between Abigail and Adil the way you got between Nancy and Ace because that really made me dislike his character for the pure fact that he was just the wedge to my favorite relationship. And now he's kind of like that for Abigail and Adil because technically Abigail and Gregorio were supposed to be promised to one another. So I don't know how that's going to play out. I'm hoping that they end up just friends and that Gregorio really adds a new element to the witches since she's a male witch and that's something we don't see very often. I mean, we do have Adil and we've seen the members of Beltane, but we've never seen them have powers of their own and utilize those powers. So it's going to be something that we we should look out for and hope to see evolve as the season continues. Lastly, you know how in that moment with 
the mushrooms and how we brought that head for Isadora to examine when we saw the brain was covered in the mushroom's essence and that we saw that connection between them. Is there a possibility that the same thing is happening to Raelle's mind because of that connection? It's weird. It's weird because the connection is deep. We've seen it. We've seen it physically attack her finger. So can that be happening to other parts of her body internally that we haven't seen? And can we use a scry or something to physically see how entwined the mushrooms and the wall is to her being and her core? What does that mean? Can we take it out? Is there a way to take it out? Are they forever entwined? questions so many questions but that is all i have for you guys tonight on motherland fort salem season two episode two on show talk podcast and i'm sorry that it took so long to come out because i really just wanted to give you guys the best content that i could and so it took a little bit longer for me to be able to sit down and record and give you guys all my ideas and emotions and i really hope that you had a chance to enjoy what you were able to hear and i hope you come back for the next episode like always you can always follow me at show talk podcast on twitter if you want to see my motherland live tweets or see other shows that i'm watching and movies that i'm interested in or if you want to send me an email at showtalkpodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to talk personally or if you want to talk about the show and other things or other shows you'd like me to watch i'm all ears and ready to listen and watch with you guys or you can check out my website at showtalk.blog if you just want to see the other shows that I've podcasted in the past. But until then, just know what to do. Share this podcast and all the places that you stream podcasts. But as always, keep on talking and I will see you next time.